happy summer, Cedarville family. This is Sarah Gump from the Cedarville Stories podcast team. Dr. Kevin Jones, the new Dean for the School of Education, has a vision to see Cedarville graduates teaching in every city and every country. He wants to see them instructing students as unto the Lord for the glory of the Lord, living out the Great Commission. Listen as he shares his heart for educators with your host, Mark Weinstein. Welcome back to another week of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, your host, and joining me today on the podcast is Dr. Kevin Jones, the brand new dean of the School of Education at Cedarville University. Dr. Jones joins the Cedarville family after serving at Kentucky State University as chair of the School of Education and Human Development. He is the co-editor of the book, Removing the Stain of Racism from the Southern Baptist Convention, Diverse African-American and White Perspectives, and he is also a contributor to Perspectives on Family Ministry and is currently writing Race Unraveled, a biography of the late Dr. T. Vaughn Walker, the first African-American faculty member in the Southern Baptist Convention. Dr. Jones is a graduate of Kentucky State University, and he has an earned doctorate in educational leadership from Spalding University. First of all, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Jones. Well, thank you so much for having me today, Mark. Yeah, it's great. To, really, this is only our second time uh, talking with each other. So I'm going to learn more about you uh, as, as well as our listeners. And as I read your intro just now, for many reasons, you're a very appropriate person to have on the podcast. One, you're, you're new to the university, so we want to dive into your philosophy and vision for the School of Education. But really, uh, with all the unrest going on in our country, I think you could bring perspective as well. We won't dive into that too much, but uh, I just thank you for being willing to just talk with me and our listeners. So for starters, tell me a little bit about your upbringing, where you're from. Are you a native Kentuckian? Yes, sir. Born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, in West Louisville, uh, largest urban area here in the state of Kentucky, and uh, primarily raised by my mother. Hmm. And I have an older brother, older sister, younger brother. And uh, yeah, so native Kentuckian. Yes, sir. So your immediate family, your wife, do you have children? Yes, sir. So my wife and I, we're actually celebrating. I'm not sure when this will air, but June 19th, we will be celebrating 16 years of marriage together. My, my wife and I actually met as I was a senior. She was a sophomore in high school. And so we, we've been together a long time, 20, 21 years, I think, 21 years. We had junior prom together, senior prom together, four years together at Kentucky State University. And we were married our senior year at Kentucky State University. Uh, we now have three children. Kennedy's 11. Kevin Jr. is 10. And my youngest, Carson, my younger daughter, Carson, is seven. Yes, sir. First of all, congratulations on the anniversary. That's yeah, anytime you can yeah. add a crooked number to the anniversary roll, it's a great thing. So I, I wish you the best. Congratulations. So right now, as we're recording, you're in Kentucky. Yes, correct. That tells me you you likely have not transitioned yet to Cedarville. Is that true? That is true. Yeah, we're hoping to move in about a month or so. Um, by the end of July is when we're making our transition there. And we're excited about it. I visited the campus multiple times. We, we found a spot uh, to rent there. And we're, we're excited to get transitioning to get moved. We are in the process of moving and packing, right? So I've actually been able to move some of my books and office stuff up there uh, so we can get settled in. You know, you know, packing is not a, not a, not a beautiful experience, but uh, we're trending through it and having a good time doing it right now. 
it's a painful situation. I can I can speak <laughs> I can speak per- firsthand because we've I've moved I've been at six universities in my tenure, and one okay. and in the course of maybe two years we moved three times, and so okay. packing is always the worst part of the process. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, what was the reaction from your children when you told them that you were what thinking about moving to Cedarville or taking the job or you are moving to Cedarville. Yes, they were excited. You know, so I, I, I preached chapel at CU a couple of times. Right. And and, and I typically, wherever I go, whether it's a, a conference, teaching, preaching, man, I just really like to take my family with me, which which is a burden on my wife, right? So so I do, I thank her and I bless her because she, you know, the packing, the, the traveling that we do, uh, whether whatever it is, it's always something extra when it's not just me rolling out, but it's but it's us rolling together as a family. So we 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 visited Cedarville together multiple times. So they they were at least familiar with the campus. When I got to Cedarville the first time to preach chapel, I'm like, this would be a great place to live and to work. But at, at that time, it wasn't like, oh yeah, this is this is my next move. So right. when I mentioned Cedarville, they were excited. They were excited, particularly about the lake. They were excited about the lake. <laughs> <laughs> they can't swim. They can't swim in it. Yes, over the lake, but they were excited about the lake, you know. So they, they and they have been excited. Yeah, that's fabulous. Let's pivot a little bit to your spiritual journey. You know, you you seem uh, as we're doing this Zoom interview, I can see you. you you're full of life, energy, a lot of smiles. You seem like a fun guy to be around. So I look forward to having you on campus. But I'm interested in knowing really your spiritual journey. So where did the Lord catch your attention and bring you to Him? Oh man, that, that's awesome. You know, funny thing, my, my daughter Carson is seven. She asked my wife that last night at dinner after our devotion. She's like, hey mom, tell me, tell me how you became a Christian. And it was just funny. I don't know if I was thinking in those categories at seven, but thank God for my right. wife's discipleship, you know, but still, so, so my, my journey has been, I've always been a church goer, right? Just, you know, I grew up in that home. My mom sent us to church and and we rode the church van, the church, right? We had the church bus, one of our deacons, uh, David Williams. Uh, drove the drove the church bus, and so every Wednesday, every Saturday, for whatever events that were taking place on our at our church little flock uh, here in Louisville on Saturday and Sunday, we won the we won the church van in the church. So I I just grew up hearing the gospel consistently in my church and in my home. But so so long story short, I'm 15 at the time, and I'm and I'm on the church van on the way home. And the the beauty of of riding the church van was the, the deacon who drove the church van lived geographically closest to us. So it, it gave, I think, him time. I think he was being very intentional in, 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 in shepherding me and sharing the gospel with me and my siblings yeah. on those rides. So I came to know Christ literally sitting on a church van uh, when I just confessed my sins to him and sure. he's sharing the gospel with me. Yeah, likewise, my Sunday school teacher, Patsy Turner, was consistently sharing and teaching the gospel to me as well. So at 15, I came to know the Lord. Uh, and have been walking with him. I, I don't want to say uh, lockstep since then, but I've been walking with the Lord uh, since, since about 15. Wow, that's a great story. I go back to what Carson asked your wife last night at, after yeah. dinner. That is very commendable and, and honorable for someone that young to ask that question. It took me, honestly, I'm not kidding. I'm, yeah. I hate to, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm 60 years old. Okay, so it was probably when I was uh, 58 or 59, probably 59. Yeah last year okay. that I had that conversation with my parents and uh, okay. you know, they're, they're 85 and 88. 
So I, we recorded it so that we would have it for, you know, ever, as long as we lived yeah. to, to, to hear their spiritual journey. Cause I really didn't really know. I mean, you know, I've been a church goer all my life, but I've yeah. never really asked that question. And it, it means so much to know that and, yeah. uh, and to take that forward. So that's, that's right. great. Yeah. That's great. And, and I think my, my kid, my, my conversion to Christianity, my, my coming to know Christ, uh, not long after that, as when I really realized I wanted to teach. So, yeah, I make a profession of faith, baptized, and sometime, maybe a year or so later, another Sunday school teacher, Sister Nona Gray, said, hey, the Lord has given you a gift to teach, and you're going to be a teacher. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? Okay, if you say so, then I believe so, you know, because at that time, and hopefully, you know, I'm training my kids now. Hey, when, when, you, when your elders say something, you, you listen, you take note of that. And so she said, you're going to be a teacher. You need to come to, our, to Little Flock's one-year teacher training because you're going to be a Sunday school teacher. So, so almost simultaneously with me coming to know the Lord, did I also find what now I know is my lifelong calling to teach uh, not only little kids, but at, at this point, adults as well, too. And I'll teach anybody who's willing to listen. But to know your story a little bit, it wasn't right away that you knew teaching in higher education was the path. Is that true? Yeah, at first, I, I didn't believe that the Lord was really calling me in to teach, right? So to be frank, I hadn't seen at that point in my life, my late teen years, er, uh, early 20s, I hadn't seen very many African-American teachers, mm-hmm. right? Just, just period. And I had seen less African-American male teachers in the elementary grades, right? I, I just, I didn't know any. And so one thing I was just trying to navigate, first, Lord, are you really calling me to teach? Second, are you really calling me to teach elementary school kids? I mean, once right. that was confirmed, yeah, you're going to be a first grade teacher. You're going to be a black man teaching kids, which was just different. And I don't even know how many of our listeners ever had an African-American male elementary school teacher. So it was different for me. So right. as, as I'm going through now, then I'm trying to pivot and figure out, hey, what do I want to do a master's degree in? Um, and uh, so I enrolled in the University of Kentucky. And at that point, I'm trying to figure out which route I'm going to take in education. What I mean by that is I had friends, uh, Dr. Ryan McCoy and Dr. Terrence Green, we're all trying to figure it out together, right? So I'm like, hey, are we, am I going to take the, the K-12 route and maybe consider being a principal, a superintendent, assistant soup? And, and just kind of be in that way. That's Dr. Ryan McCoy's route. He's now an elementary school principal. I was also thinking, do I want to take the route of educational policy and research and dealing with that route and maybe work for a higher ed organization? And then the third route, which is where I landed is, do I want to work in post-secondary education? And, uh, and my route has been post-secondary ed training teachers uh, at this point. How long have you been teaching future teachers? And what has been, what have been some great stories that you will always take with you because of your, your teaching experience and your students? Oh man, that's a great question. So I started my teaching career 2011, uh, higher ed at Kentucky State University. I was hired as an assistant professor there. So since about 2011, I've been working um, in and around post-secondary education, higher ed. Uh, I guess some, probably some of the more fascinating stories is, is literally like watching people like young guys my age like put the pieces together when it all kind of locks in almost like legos and it's like yeah yeah, this is where the lord is calling me so i think that the beauty of teaching is that moment and i I don't i would i would refrain from naming students right now just because i I don't have disclosure from them sure when they say man thank you the lord is calling me to this location and it's because of your teaching and discipleship that i know without a shadow of a doubt he's calling me to this country or he's calling me to this city or he's calling me to this rural area, or he's calling me. So it's hearing those moments from students. And likewise, even as our nation is dealing with some friction right now, right. I've received countless emails and text messages and phone calls from students saying, Dr. Jones, 
thank you so much for making me read that book and having hard conversations with us in class, helping us to think through and navigate just difficult issues uh, around race and particularly around race and education. So those have been the moments that I've, that I've cherished. Yeah, I, I predict our students at CDV are really going to love sitting in your classes and under your leadership as you lead the, the School of Education. Oh, man, I hope so. I'm excited about being there. So what was it about Cedarville that made you believe Cedarville was the right place for you right now? Yeah, so I think it's just, you know, the Lord is always doing his thing in our life, right? <laughs> no, no surprise to any believer hearing that. And so for a long time, to be frank, I, I never thought that I wanted to uh, teach at a Christian institution. Right. I just thought, you know what, I want to be involved in a place where there are just unbelievers. Right. Yeah. I, I want to be a believer going into the into the secular hemisphere and I, and I want to be there. So, so it's been a little bit of a journey with the Lord saying, no, 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 no. I want you at a place where you can have a foot both in the public square and in the church. And so Boyce College, mm -hmm. uh, under the leadership actually of Dan DeWitt, uh, who's there at Cedarville right now, he was he was a dean that hired me at Boyce College into the teacher ed program there. And it, it was under his leadership that I was able to, I guess, realize what the Lord was calling me to. So not only can I work with and be in public schools, but I can also work with the local church as well, too. So that, that's been a little bit of, of that journey, which makes Cedarville, I think, right now, really, really interesting and intriguing for me. Because I know, just talking with a few students already and the faculty there, that we have students who want to go to urban areas. We have students who feel a calling to work with Christians and students who, for all intents and purposes, want to go to closed countries and to share the gospel. And I think that is magnificent. And that's what makes Cedarville unique and the experience of Cedarville unique. Thank you. I do want to hear your philosophy and vision for the school of education. But before I get to that, how does your faith intersect with the way that you view your career? Yeah, I see those two things as, as one. Like my faith is my work. We can kind of point, you know, to Luther like that and Luther on vocation and the way that we think through how we work and how we live and the things we do. And so I see my work directly connected to my faith. Like those things are not separate at all for me. So when I'm hired, when I was hired as a first grade teacher, I had a couple of goals in mind. I had a couple of things in mind, though. One was teach good pedagogical content. That's what I wanted to do. My job was to teach little, you know, little, little first graders how to read and how to sound out blends, digraphs and all those magnificent things. Teach them how to count. Like I knew that. Yeah. But I also understood that my calling was to go and make disciples. Right. So as much as I'm teaching academic content. I understand I was under the authority of that district to teach right content. So I wasn't being unbiblical or trying to, you know, um, uh, proselytize students at that time. But I did go unapologetically saying, I am a Christian. I am a believer. And I am here surely because the Lord wants me to be here. And I let people know that. So I don't see those things separate. My, my faith is my work. Work is, work is my faith. That's how I live. So with that as a backdrop, how does that impact, influence your philosophy or your vision as a dean of the School of Education at Cedarville? Yeah, so my, my philosophy, my vision is go ye therefore. So, and, and I understand my philosophy is, is, is teaching the Lord's word, teaching in the context that where he has called us and, and to do those things extremely well. So, so when, I, when I think through uh, my philosophy and going forth with my vision, my vision is simply how do we train our students to go ye therefore with good content, with, with good pedagogy, with a great sociological understanding of where they're going, and with the theology 
undergirding all of that, like the foundation is, is, is Jesus Christ. And so as I'm going forward, yeah, so, so students, wherever you go, take the gospel and be an excellent teacher. Now, what, what I've realized sometimes in education is this, really in, in Christian ed, that sometimes we, we say, listen, we, we just want to teach the gospel. And that's right and very true. But I've also seen some horrible teachers who just want to teach the gospel and they don't get the pedagogy. And so then they're released from their employment, right? The, the, the principal or our superintendent is like, you're not doing what we hired you to do. So my encouragement to teachers is always teach the content, teach the content, but go as a light, go salt and light for Jesus Christ. Yeah, by teaching the content, and you, you alluded to this just a few minutes ago, really that is the gospel. That is your faith because we are called right. to do our job as unto the Lord. That, that calls us to be excellent in what we do. So if we're not doing yeah. that, then we're not fulfilling the gospel, right? Yes, sir. I want our students to know those two things go hand in hand. Not, I'm only a teacher and therefore I don't have an opportunity to share the gospel. I'm like, you are a teacher. And here's the beauty of teaching too, right? Here's the thing. Like public schools, for me, school in general is a place where you know between 170 and 180 days out of the school year, you're going to have the kids almost full undivided attention from five to seven hours a day, give or take some hours, give or take a couple of days, right? So what right. better place to, to understand and, and to have robust relationships with not only students, but also parents, like they're right. locked in. Mm -hmm. And in most states, if you don't take your kid to school, you're going to jail. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's right. not even an option unless you, unless you, of course, you, you do the right paperwork to do homeschooling or anything like that. But even in a Christian environment, and I do understand that every, every, every student in a Christian school is not a believer, right? Even in that environment, we go with the gospel using every opportunity to share our faith with those who we come in contact with. Starting prayer circles. Like my wife taught me that. My wife was, is, has a degree in, in education as well. And she's like, yeah, I'm not, you know, when I go to this school, the first thing I want to do is, is start a prayer group in the school. Mm. Like that, that, that's what she did. I'm going to send out an email to say, hey, if you want to pray with me, you know, this is not a school mandated thing. It's not anything mandated thing. If you want, I'll be praying in, in, the, in the teacher conference room on Friday morning at whatever time, come join me in prayer. And I've watched, we've watched conversions happen in those moments wow. in public schools. That's powerful. That's very powerful. Thanks for sharing. As you move into this role as dean, how do you see an education, an, an education degree at Cedarville different than an education from a secular school or another Christian college? Is there a difference? Oh, yeah, there is a difference. I think, uh, and I, and I kind of go back to maybe, I hate to be a resounding gong, but I go back to maybe a point I said previously is education doesn't save us. Education doesn't fix us. No. Being able to compute, having a, having a great understanding of history, knowing all the right uh, physiological or chemistry terminologies, those things don't save us. And so I do suspect that there are, and I do know this, right? There are great institutions putting out great teaching candidates who really understand good content. But what I think makes Cedarville University students different is, is the theological department there at Cedarville, right? So, so they, they have a responsibility to, to teach our students good theology. And not, right. only, not only that just department as a whole, but every other faculty member and every other staff member, every organization that students are involved in, they are constantly getting the do and refreshing of the scriptures so that they're seeing their job through the lens of scripture. That's what separates Cedarville University from secular institutions. I think one thing that separates us from other Christian institutions is just the longstanding faculty 
uh, at Cedarville, but they're faculty who've been there 20, 25 years, you know? And so talking with them, I'm hearing them have a good understanding of cultural things that are taking place and even history that in my young tenure, I don't know. So I'm thankful for the longstanding faculty at Cedarville University, particularly in the School of Education. Yeah. And I, I think another thing that sets uh, Cedarville apart, and I've been at Cedarville now 10 years, so I'm not one of those longstanding people. I'm still probably a newbie in Cedarville culture, but just the gospel-centered chapels and the Bible yeah. minor are two things that I noticed that set Cedarville apart from any yeah. other Christian college in the country. Yeah. Amen. And I've had a chance to preach at a couple of those chapels. <laughs> yeah. Is, those are phenomenal times. I view you probably as someone who's like Dan DeWitt. And Dan DeWitt has made a significant impact. Now, obviously, this is not a podcast with Dan DeWitt, but he's made a, such a significant impact. So I, I have high expectations for you as well. Lord willing, I can live up to those high expectations. And Dan DeWitt and I, we actually met at a flame and the truth. We read, we read at, a, at a rap concert, right? So it was my, it was Kevin's, my, Kevin Jr.'s birthday. And Dan DeWitt actually met, we, Dan DeWitt and I actually met for the first time there. Uh, and that was my introduction to him and actually my, my segue into Boys College. Back to teaching. One thing I think that I've read about you is, and I think this separates you from other people that I've known in education is that, and you can explain this better than what I'm going to say is, you have a, a vision, a desire for our students, Cedarville students to teach in every kind of setting, urban, rural, international. How can you make that a reality with our students from your perspective? Yeah, I, th I think one thing that we have to do is a little bit what I had to do as an undergrad student is working through my preconceived notions and what other people were telling me and where I needed to be. You know, folks have told me for a long time, you need to be a high school teacher, you need to be a high school teacher. You, you'd be a great mentor to see, you know, juniors and senior guys who, who are fatherless. And I believe that, but I had to work through my own calling, right? So I think one thing is just literally working through where the Lord is calling Cedarville University students to go and then see where they have just a certain affinity towards, right? And because the Lord has a vision, like this is not just my vision, but it's the Lord's revelation. His vision is for every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people, right? So why not use Cedarville University? We belong to him, you know? Right, right. We are Christ and Christ is ours. And so why not use Cedarville to send uh, students out. So that's what I, I think that's the opportunity there that we have for our students. Fabulous. What are you looking forward to the most in your new role as Dean? Yeah, I get getting to know students, right? And, and and getting to know students and then sending them and hearing the stories of how the Lord is blessing them and using their work. What I'm excited about hearing is for whatever student may be coming through the door, I'm excited to hear they're in their first year teaching. Hey, you know what? My students did so well on the state standardized test and two of my kids came to know Jesus, you know, like that, that's the kind of report that I'm looking for. And that I'm excited to hear, or, you know, I shared the gospel with the mom or dad at this event and, and that and they came to know Christ and now they go to church with us. And you know, we have, those are the kind of stories that I'm excited to hear about. Likewise, just to take part uh, with, with all that takes place in and around the campus. I'm, I'm excited about sporting events, and I'm excited about the extracurricular activities that are, that are tied into the university as well, too. And I, I can't not say that I'm excited about the Chick-fil-A. I heard those doors of Chick-fil-A will be open soon and very soon, you know? So I'm excited about that, too, to have a Chick-fil-A, you know, five minutes maybe from my office. I have time for two more questions. Um, okay. First, who have been important mentors to you as a Christian and a professional educator? 
who's really impacted you? Yeah, that, that that's a great question. Uh, I'll, I'll just name a couple of, a couple of each. I, I have countless folks who I've just gleaned from, but yeah. Kevin Smith, yep. uh, who is now, he's now a executive director of the Maryland and Delaware Baptist State Convention. So he and I were together at Watson Memorial Baptist Church. We were there together. He was a lead pastor. I was his youth pastor. And um, we, we were there and I, I learned a number of things from Smith. I learned the beauty of, of the gospel there. I mean, I had already been saved, but I, I learned that. I learned what pastoral leadership looked like from Smith. And I also learned what it looked like to fellowship with a uh, with a predominantly white congregation that was maybe a couple of miles from us, as well as that it was possible for a pastor to have an emphasis and, an, and a focus and an affinity for the, the, the public school closest to it. So he helped me conceptualize a lot of things that I just did not think were possible. Likewise, Curtis Woods, who's been a longtime mentor, not only me, but also my, my wife, he and his wife, uh, Tracy, they've just been mentors from a even before we had kids, they were showing us what discipleship in the home looked like. And, yeah. and so I don't know how many books Curtis has given to me on theology. He has several earned degrees in theology. Just, hey, read these things. Let's talk about these things. Those have been helpful. In the academic setting, uh, the, the late uh, Dr. Kenneth Chapman was uh, a vice president at Kentucky State University. He was a provost there and just showed me, I think he was the first black PhD I really ever had conversation with. He let me know, hey, terminal degree is possible, writing and research is possible, even though you came from a pretty a pretty uh, rough uh, area and growing up. And then one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite mentors whom I've never met, Dr. Booker T. Washington, uh, who was the uh, the first president of the Tuskegee uh, Institute, now Tuskegee University. I've just loved his books, loved his works, loved the speeches that he gave, and just found myself fully immersed and him helped me think, helped me shape both the way I think about education and, and then and then Christian Ed as well, too. You touched on it a little bit, but is there a particular area with Booker T. Washington that you can go a little more in depth that really has shaped a, a view of, of yours? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So he, he taught me like grind, grit and grind, right? So, I mean, he, he starts an institution from nothing. Now, he had countless men and women, blacks and whites, helping him do that. But when I think about, you know, processes and procedures and starting initiatives, I said, if this man can start like a university literally from scratch, that he makes other things possible. And he also taught me the importance of service, right? And he didn't diminish or belittle like blue collar work. He's like, like these, those things are good. Research is good. So he hires like George Washington Carver to teach in his program. You know, it's like, so he's, he's just a brilliant leader and a brilliant scholar. So in his book, in his work, Up From Slavery, you can hear a lot about his story. And it goes back to one thing I said, uh, it, it triggers in my mind, again, if it's worth doing, it's delegating. Booker T. Washington was able and willing to delegate responsibilities to people he trusted, respected. That's right. And you can do much more when you delegate and you empower people than when you're That's right. holding everything by yourself. So we're to the end of the podcast. So I have one last question. I ask everyone this question. Uh, during, okay. the, during the COVID-19, and that is, what is the Lord teaching you right now as you deal with the quarantine, you deal with the uncertainty of the virus? Yeah. What is the Lord teaching you at home, even as you prepare to move? Yeah, I think one thing that the Lord is teaching me is to be more intentional in discipleship, right? So I, I, dis, I disciple a couple of guys. We, we just you know walk through the Bible together, walk through family together, life, and all those things. 
But I found out, even in my own life, that there were gaping holes, that we had other extracurricular things feeling that we really needed the Lord to feel. So I learned, hey, yeah, the, the importance and significance of good discipleship. So we, we spend now, you know, previously we were just texting and be together, but now the group of guys that I'm just walking through life with, we've been working through the book of Colossians and meeting both Wednesday and Saturday mornings, just thinking through scripture, thinking through what the Lord is doing for us and ways we need to continue to press on in and to trust him. And I've also sensed the importance of, of making sure even through the process of discipleship that I'm teaching them how to teach, right? So a lot of things that we have worked through together were just life things. You know, how, how we're living, financing, budgeting, all those things. But now it's like, hey, now the importance is because we're no longer face-to-face with our pastors, our small group leaders. Hey, man, we, we really need to make sure we have a, a great understanding of what it means to, to train and disciple our own family. So it showed me a hole in the way that I was discipling, guys. Uh, and it, was, it also showed some, 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 some areas where I was, had other things filling my time. And it should have been the Lord filling that time. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. I can tell by just talking with you that you have an infectious personality. You love Jesus. Our students are going to be so excited to be in your presence and learn from you in the classroom and outside the classroom. So I want to encourage you in that way. Thanks for joining me today on the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you on campus. And uh, Me too. Yeah. And uh, maybe uh, walking around the lake and hey, maybe even getting a sandwich at Chick-fil-A. You know what? The sandwich will be on me. First sandwich at Chick-fil-A. If you don't beat me there, first sandwich on me for you. (laughs) Kevin, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, Welcome to Cedarville University. Thanks again for for the consideration having me. And uh, thank you for the kind welcome. I look forward to being with my CU family. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.